Welcome to another episode here on Herbaceous Conversations. And today we're going to be talking about winter medicinals that you should add to your home apothecary. Now, I know we're in about to enter into a transitional state between winter and spring. However, this information is extremely relevant because allergy season is upon us. <laughs> so the information I'm going to relate to you today will really help you know, have a smooth transition between those two seasons. So winter and how winter is depends on your climate, of course, and where you're situated in in the world. So either winters, winters tend to be cold, right? <laughs> cold and then dry, depending on where you are. Now, here in North Carolina, we've had a little, we've had a wild winter, <laughs> to say the least. Like some days are dry, and then other days are warm and kind of a little bit moist. So it kind of confuses the body and creates like states of like dry skin and dry nasal airways, which is kind of annoying. <laughs> so uh, assessing your climate can really help you decide what you need to add into your home apothecary. Yes, and I also mentioned a few of the humors. So going back to the basics, right? The four humors can help you um, further establish what you need, right? The four humors being dry, wet, cold, and dry. All right. So winter medicinals. Now I will, I'm going to emphasize extremely on your gut health for a number of reasons. And there's research to back this up. Now, I'm sure you've heard the term microbiome. I think I mentioned this before in a previous podcast. I think I have in the digestive um, breakdown. So getting your gut right now will help you in the future. Now, how will this help you? Now, the gut microbiome, there are actually several microbiomes, right? We have the gut microbiome, the skin microbiome, and the respiratory microbiome. So this basically means that, you know, there are different concentrations of bacteria that live on these certain body parts. And these bacteria affect our immune response to different um to different organisms, right? So our body releases antigens according, you know, that's the body's response. And this varies according to concentration. Now, what factors affect your microbiome, right? Now, there was a time in medicine where they thought that certain parts of the body were sterile, right? That there was like no bacteria. It was a completely clean area. And those areas included the esophagus, they thought the esophagus at one time was sterile. And they also thought that the fetus, the womb was sterile, which, you know, kind of makes sense. You know, you're having a, this new human <laughs> that's new to the world and you, you know, having that mindset, it's new, you know, new, no bacteria. However, um, science has debunked that entirely. And fetuses actually have their own unique gut flora. So establishing a microbiome actually happens in utero. And there are studies, they've actually studied this extensively. Well, there needs to be more studies, but they've studied this a little bit. So pregnant women, they've studied the difference between women, um, pregnant women who have taken antibiotics and those that haven't. And they've shown, those studies have shown that taking antibiotics does affect your child's microbiome in the future. 
and they're at a higher risk for developing asthma and other respiratory illnesses, which is crazy. Not really, but, you know, science is there. So getting your gut right. So making sure you establish it, you know, before the human <laughs> is here in the world helps a lot. This is this is more to the moms, right, to be aware of. Dads, you can help too, you know, by being mentally aware. Because the gut microbiome they found is established within the first three years of life. The first three years of life. <laughs> that sets the foundation for your immunological response to any kind of exposure you have, whether it's genetic or environmental. So making sure you have that strong foundation in your microbiome helps a lot. Now, there are different factors that um, correlate to the establishment of the, the microbiome within the first three years. And they found um, that the number of older siblings that you have, where you live, so whether it's urban or um, rural area, and also contact with pets and other animals, that dictates your immunologic response and tolerance. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about the kiddos because this is very important. And establishing a gut microbiome, this also correlates to the development of the thymus, right? Which is an organ that sits at the top of the sternum. And this is actually where a lot of these antigens, you know, the Th cells, the T1, the Th2, all the T, the T regulatory cells, these, all these immune cells and the antigens that come out of the body to to protect oneself this is where you know being a child and growing up the thymus it develops for the first 10 years if i'm not mistaken so yeah this is all correlated so going on with the kids and establishing their gut microbiome now this this is actually very interesting now there's this thing that they do now it's called vaginal seeding which is what, so if your child is born cesarean, if you have, if you have a cesarean birth, um, once the child begins to eat around six, between six to eight months, they take a swab of your vaginal walls and they put it in the food. They mix it in with the food. I know this sounds crazy. However, there's a reason for it. Now, kids that are born cesarean, they're not exposed to the vaginal flora you know, right during birth, which highly, highly affects, they've shown that this affects, you know, their kids' microbiome and immune systems in the future. So by doing this vaginal seeding, you're still giving them that benefit, the establishment, right, of their composition of their microbiome, which is actually really cool. I'll put that episode, I found that out through um, the naturopath, what is the podcast, the naturopath I forget it. The natural or the natural naturopath. I don't remember. I'll put it in the show notes <laughs> if you want to listen to that podcast episode. So uh, vaginal seeding, um, that's an external thing. Now, of course, and this is this is another reason why that they emphasize breastfeeding, right? Because breastfeeding, it contains certain fatty acids like the oligosaccharides and other components that help um, establish a healthy uh, immune response. Now the microbiome. So like I mentioned earlier, we have different, um, established microbiomes right within the body, the skin, the lungs and the gut. 
Now, all these areas have different concentrations. Basically, a microbiome consists, it's, the majority of it is bacteria. However, there are other substances like viruses, archaea, and eukaryotic fungi that constitute the microbiome. Now, I mentioned the long microbiome earlier. And like I said, they used to think that scientists used to believe that the esophagus was sterile. Come to find out it has over 300 <laughs> living bacteria in there. Now, there is a, they found that there's a distinct difference between um, healthy people and those that distribute symptoms of allergic responses. And this is because the body um, distributes certain antigens differently. So those that distributed symptoms, especially in the lungs, they found that they had an upregulation of the Th17 genes, which is basically they were producing uh, too much of this gene. You know, because the body thinks, hey, I'm under attack, so let's produce, <laughs> right? Um, so... The gut and the lungs, scientists actually consider it to be one um, organism looking at its immunological functions. They consider it to be one. They, and this is because they both work together. And they found that the correlation between the gut and the lung microbiome, they found that um, an increased risk of respiratory allergic diseases and its development is because of that correlation between the gut and the lungs. So this all comes down to the concentration of the microbiome, right? You know, regardless of your age, although that is important, as mentioned earlier, your age and your exposure and your environment, whether or not it's natural or geoengineered, <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? You can still um, control and have um, a sense of how your microbiome responds to certain things. Now, how do you do that? Now, in an earlier episode, uh, I believe it was Tap Into Your Roots, episode 16. I'll put in the show notes. Um, I emphasize heavily on roots and utilizing those to make different concoctions like teas and tinctures. And especially now fermented foods. If you haven't started making fermented foods, you can still make them. And uh, fermented foods, they've actually found that it helps. Um, they have anti-inflammatory properties, which, you know, inflammation is at the base of all microbiome health, right? It's just, you know, your body is a little bit inflamed. Hence, you get these um, dysymbiosis in the microbiome. So incrementing certain uh, fermented foods into your diet will help in regards to, you know, having some sort of microbiome therapy. Now, research also suggests that having a symbiotic uh, combination, so, you know, combination of your prebiotics and your probiotics can have a therapeutic effect on your microbiome. And also fiber, fiber makes a huge, huge difference. And that's because fiber... It helps not only with absorption of vitamins and minerals, it also helps and it acts like a buffer between, you know, antigens, your body fighting off certain things um, and your uh, T cells. So with that being said, um, recipes, there are some things that you can make. So like fermented foods like sauerkraut, um, kimchi you can make, kombucha, although the... Um, 
you know, the beneficial bacteria isn't as high, it still helps. So any little bit helps, right? So the fermented foods and then incrementing more fiber into your diet. And then other things like teas, there's, um, I posted an allergy tea in the fall herbal guide, which is basically a combination of goldenrod, echinacea, peppermint, and ginger. Now you can tone down the ginger and peppermint in there, especially for the kiddos, because those are in there, they're, they're the drivers for the other two components, the echinacea and the golden seal. So the ginger and peppermint really just carry the components of the goldenrod and echinacea throughout the entire body system. And then you can also uh, make um, an herbal chest rub, right? Infusing, you can make a salve, make it a little bit, um, you know, the ratio to be a little bit more uh, palatable or mushy. So that way um, you can just, you know, it, so that way it resembles like vapor rub. That makes sense. Um, and then you can rub that on your chest if you're experiencing any chest colds or respiratory uh, discomfort. Now, if you are in a dry climate, I would highly, highly suggest getting a humidifier in the house that can help tremendously. Just adding a little bit of moisture, right? I'm sure you feel, you if you're experiencing that offset of dryness, you probably feel much better, you know, taking a nice hot shower. So having more humidity in the house will help as well. All right, so that concludes this episode of Winter Medicinals for your apothecary. And I want to hear from you guys. Let me know what you're making or what you have made and added to your apothecary to help, you know, boost your health, especially your gut health. All right, thank you so, so much for tuning in. And I'll check you guys. I'll see you next week. And next week, we're going to be talking about plant allies to connect to your subconscious mind. And if you want to hear more about that, I've been doing an IGTV series about mind control. So, yes, yes, that's going to be next week's episode. All right, I'll check you guys next Thursday. Have a lovely, lovely weekend. Bye for now.